0: This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Keller's Garden Center and Landscaping Services. Winter is here, and I encourage you to save your back this year. Contact Keller's today and get a quote for residential or commercial snow removal. And also, it is never too early to start thinking about spring. COVID has put a delay on so many things Do not delay in getting yourself set up with one of the best in the business when it comes to getting your yard looking its best. Visit Keller's at their location on Kern Street in Exeter, Pennsylvania, just down the street from Blue Ribbon Dairy, or head over to their social media pages for more information. Welcome to the Popgo Project podcast, a platform for the discussion and discovery of arts and entertainments. We focus on highlighting people and events that add value to the world around us. Visit us on all social media platforms by searching the Popgo Project or visit our website at thepopgoproject.com. Welcome to the show and thank you so much for listening. Got it. I authorized said recording. Yeah, it's too late now. It's, so, it's, it's over. Away. You've been notified. All right, can you hear me
1: all right? Do I need to put these Johns on?
0: Well, that's not going to help me hear you.
1: Yeah, that's true. Can you hear me? I, I hooked
0: my can, little I, I this jammy thing up. I can hear you.
1: Look at us spending quality time together on the internet, son!
0: Dude, this is probably going to be the... the... Um, the longest conversation we've had where it wasn't like over beers. Well actually I mean I'm having a beer. I, I could not I couldn't not have a beer with you. Right. You you, you are Mr. Beerfest. But um I always see you for two seconds at events and then you're gone.
1: Then I go run it. Like I work I for know. a
0: living. What oh, yeah. you still. do? That's not it either.
1: That's my gut dude I got
2: fat as fuck.
0: Dude right. me too. It's COVID. we, can, we have we have something that we can blame it on. We, can, we have a we have a reason now. Nice. But, yeah i think last time we, we spoke at length was probably uh drunk after one of the menzinger show in scranton yep i was yep. at your house i was at your house one time in jersey back in like 2016 but you were hosting a party you didn't have time to chit chat with me it's
1: fucking working bro come on son yeah come i know on, son i always enjoy some of the popco in my life you know? I, know. Man, I, I see mean, it festivals and i'm running like i'm on fire
0: Yeah, we're here talking to John Henderson, Mr. Atlantic City. Hi, kid. Is that okay to say? Uh, You know what? Yeah, man. You you go to war sometimes with the, you know.
1: (laughs) I think it's par for the course. Like 20 years of doing this shit, some days you get exhausted and just want to kick dirt and start a fight, man. I'm a guy who once in a while, you know, you've seen it. Yeah. And this is a weird market, man. It's, uh, you know, it's, yeah. I hate saying it out loud, but it's a distressed market. So, kind of doing what we do and getting people to kind of come out and say, "Hey, man, Atlantic City's rad." Don't uh, don't believe the hype, and then getting them out for a programming, showing them, you know, a rad time, and we just hope, you know, the city itself reciprocates, going, "Hey, you had fun over here, cool, come," you know. Yeah. So it's it. Sometimes it's an uphill fight. Sometimes it's a fun sleigh ride. Who knows?
0: Yeah. Well, John Henderson is the owner of Good Time Tricycle. Um, uh, entertainment event production company does a lot of big events uh, in Atlantic City. One of them being the uh, Atlantic City Beer and Music Festival, which I think at one point was up there like as number two in the country. Is that yeah, accurate? Yeah, okay, we still, we still
1: strong at that, spot, at that spot.
0: Atlantic City Beer and Music Festival, number two in the country. If you haven't gone, I haven't been to one. Uh, they're doing it again in June right of this year yeah,
1: yeah if you haven't gone you haven't been we've been doing this shit for 16 years and if you haven't done it you're making bad life choices
0: yeah you gotta go and it's outdoors now I mean last year was a blast a
1: little, you know, sunburn, I, a little good time
0: yeah you know we got you know I had to hydrate more than uh I would have when it was in March uh, at the convention center yes but um fifty yeah Oh, yeah, not only uh, the beer fest, but yes, yeah, that does the tattoo expo, the seafood fest. Uh, you're doing, I think, a chili cook off type thing this year
1: chili cook off and spicy food fest. Don't forget micro wrestling.
0: Micro wrestling. Who could forget that?
1: Yeah, Witchcraft. What else? Witchcraft. We got that Halloween mystical encounters with brews and spirits. Just, you
0: know. Just and all of- this info is on your website, right?
1: Sure. Yeah. Head to want to head to our Facebook page, goodtimetricycle.com. Good luck spelling tricycle. Um,
0: yeah. That's easy, right? T R I C Y C L E. You know what? I went to school. Gold star,
1: bro. Gold star. You would be surprised how many people misspell tricycle. It's, yeah. it's ridiculous.
0: Yeah. And fun fact about Mr. Henderson, he uh, has ties to NEPA. I believe um, if you weren't born or you were at least, you spent some time in Holly, Pennsylvania. Born um, in Homesdale,
1: grew up in Holly, went okay. to school in Wilkes. Yeah, uh, yeah, man, did it, did it, and migrated to uh, the Jersey Shore.
0: Yeah, and I had the pleasure of meeting you for the first time uh, in my weekender days. You tried to bring the uh, beer and music festival to Scranton, Pennsylvania.
1: You know, it's funny, Steamtown Beer and Music Festival.
0: Yeah, um, and, and look, look, look. Cool.
1: yeah, look at yeah. you break that fucking thing. <laughs> <laughs> so i will tell you in my bath took a bath right i lost seventy thousand dollars um yeah in my time so here's what i equate it to right um in my time 20 almost 20 years of event production right um you've got some you have to have some wins and losses right it's it's how you grow uh and at the time i don't remember what year it was it was probably on that stupid glass
0: 2013
1: So in 2013, we thought that NEPA was um, was ready, was ready for kind of kind of what we do. And we worked with the montage and, and you and, you know, a couple other folks to bring this festival, which we thought, you know, we had the Menzingers were actually one of our performing one of our headliners for the second session, Fuel being kind of the first session headliner. Um, thinking people were going to come out, man, and um, a meteor might as well have crashed into the earth and fuck it. <laughs> nobody shows up. Uh, it was my first major fail. Um, and, you know, I mean, the loss was around $70,000. And for a month, I was fucking, I was mad, I was heartbroken. I was, you know, and then as I kind of looked at it, I looked at it as a, as a college course. Man, uh, There were a lot of learnings, a lot of takeaways, you know, about going into markets that, you know, may seem ready, but aren't. Um, and, you know, you know, what my major takeaway is,
0: I was going to ask you, what is it? I mean, let's talk about how NEPA let you down.
1: Um, I, you know, it's for what we did at the time. NEPA seemed a little more behind the craft beer scene than some of the other places. Um, you know the, you know the music scene fuel. All right, you know, all right. Um. But the men's singers right you know it was rad to see the Menzingers singers before the Menzingers singers were kind of where they are now right and they yep. played other festivals and events that we've had and we're giant fans you know my takeaway was it was it was a great learning experience it made me hone my budget skills a lot better but you know i made a lot of friends out of it you know and i think you know can you put a price on that shit? no right um you know we got to interact with some other breweries from the region we course those breweries to distribute in other markets Made friends with the guys from the Menzingers, met you, you know. I think that was a huge takeaway. And, that's you know, the like, that's
0: worth the loss. That's worth the loss. Smoke
1: up your ass, so you fart smoke rings, bro. But you know, I mean, you, we've been friends since then. Yeah, you know, and fucking, that's a huge takeaway for me. You know, we, you know, we text, we talk. We don't see each other as much as we should see each other. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think that's a good takeaway. You know, so you know, what is it? Eight years later, I ain't mad. I mean, man,
0: nine I it's know. like it's, it's nine now nine? yeah i mean God? nine this year
1: you're, you're aging me man when i started this shit i was handsome and had hair
0: <laughs> you never had hair when i met you
1: see that's how <laughs> but i started this shit 16 years ago
0: yeah you were a handsome devil Back you looked like day? looked like uh the lead singer of uh eve six yeah no no
1: i don't know now i got a lead singer of eve, eve six
0: we got the power to do that
1: it's a good fucking internet bro <laughs> yeah.
0: but yeah so i mean i'm i'm worth the the 70,000 dollar hit 100%. it was it was interesting too because i remember you know we were, uh you know i look back on that as as something you know a learning experience for me too because um <clears throat> i was the gm for about, about a year at that point at the weekender and um you know you called us up and said hey you know i'm looking for sponsors and I kind of dropped my pants for you.
1: You did. You were very generous with the, the, uh, yeah.
0: Yeah. And we didn't ask, we, uh, I think we worked out a deal where you uh, purchased an app through us and we did a whole voting thing, which was great. But, um, you know, my predecessors, a lot of times we just wanted to be part of these big events and we didn't want our next door neighbors to jump on it. If You know, if we didn't,
1: well, you saw the vision. I think you saw what, you know, what we did here. Um, and seeing how you know this should translate in pretty much every market and i'll tell yeah. you for from a career standpoint um not owning it and kind of taking this thing across the country you know and we've got a lot of other events um but in not really saying all right and in, in giving up the first year and not coming back i think was probably a mistake um i think there's probably better places than the montage plate center to do it um
0: big spot we
1: had ties yeah we had ties there um but, you know, I think it make kind of the mistakes, like when you look back at your career and everybody does this kind of looking backwards and saying, all right, uh, not grabbing the bull by the horns and saying, all right, well, we're going to keep doing it, like push ahead, push ahead, push ahead, because I think it would have ultimately paid off and kind of doing it in other cities, um, I think was probably from a career standpoint, a um, a big mistake. But in this market, right, um, I get referred to as the beer fest guy, mm-hmm. drives me out of my fucking mind, I hate it. <laughs> because we've accomplished so much more, right. right? And there's just so many things that we've done that have been impactful. Um, you know, that piece, you know, kind of makes me crazy. I mean, We're responsible for 125,000 people coming into the Atlantic City market. You know, it's at uh, upwards of $20 million in economic impact, blah, blah, blah. But yeah, I think, you know, in going back, you guys saw, and you saw the mm-hmm. vision. You saw, you know, kind of what it turned into here, what it is here today, Right and thinking, you know, this translates translates in this market. And at the time,
0: it did Yeah, I don't know what the reason was. I mean, you had you know one of the top stations in the market, you know, backing you as well. You had the number one entertainment newspaper backing you. You had all the right people as as far as getting the word out. You it know, this not area. No this this area is is uh, a bizarre <laughs> bizarre place. Yeah. But,
1: yeah, but, you know but I mean, good things came out of it you know our relationship with the men's singers our relationship with you our relationship with a lot of the breweries you yeah. know so you know you take those things in stride and you continue to grow when you can
0: and how did you get into all this you know you've been doing it for almost 20 years um i mean it, no one just wakes up one day and says i want to start producing you know beer festivals i mean obviously you started somewhere how did that all happen
1: so it didn't start with beer festivals right. um didn't even start with craft beer, honestly. Uh, I've been in Atlantic City for a lengthy period of time. Um, I was a player development or casino host. Essentially, that is somebody who you create a relationship within within uh gaming organization and they kind of kind of create a clear path, or you know, that person that helps you jump the line, gets you take takes you to dinner, blah blah blah. Essentially, the person who um is your is your guy in the casino world if you are a gambler. Um, and I was that guy. So Initially was a from the jump is a, I'm a planner, right? And like to put you know square pegs and square holes and round pegs and round holes and make sure experiences are what they are. You know I was somebody's essentially tour guide to Atlantic City.
2: And if I could do that,
1: by one off, one off, one off, um, you know, awesome. Well, I was in the industry for I want to say about 12 years um, and thriving actually doing very well. Uh, and good friend of mine, um, and, you know, Mark Fairchild, good friend of mine wanted to broach the idea of, uh, doing tattoo conventions in Atlantic city. And at the time tattoo conventions were few and far between, uh, I think ink in the valley by you guys was still a thing. Uh, and he had tapped me on the shoulder and said, Hey, you know, you know, everybody in this city, uh, what are your thoughts? You want to try to do this? And I was like, well, yeah, let's do it. You know, and we, we crafted, uh, in 2000 and i'm looking at a poster because that's how i figure out dates and walk around <laughs> our office and look at posters but i want to say this was 2004 so in 2004 we launched um the atlantic city tattoo expo at the time called draw the wild card uh and it was it was a huge success you know worked in the convention center and got a year of that under the, my belt uh and i was i was a a beer snob. So I wouldn't drink Bud, Budweiser. I wouldn't drink Miller Lite. I wouldn't drink you know, any of that shit. It was always, you know, either Beck's or oh Gang or, you know, uh, Flying Fish or, you know, so I kind of leaned towards that craft beer world um, and didn't understand, you know, being in a casino world and kind of exposed to kind of some higher end, finer things. Um, I knew that better beer was still affordable. Uh, and I knew that there was an opportunity and we went to a I don't forget I forget the name of it uh an industry event um a beer industry event somewhere in pennsylvania and it was poorly done really poorly done and from you know the first year of the tattoo expo you know when i produced it experience meant a lot to me uh and what that was like for a consumer um from the tattoo front but just from the consumption front and the you know be a, being a part of something and i was looking at this retail event or wholesale you know for wholesale whatever you want to call it B2B event and I was like this can be done uh, as a as a in a festival environment you know as an opportunity for discovery for uh, for attendees for beer lovers you know the opportunity to drink better beer uh, so we started to kind of get to work and figured out what the legality was legalities were you know liquor licensing you know beer distributors you know sampling and jumped right into uh what was the atlantic city beer festival uh and you know took about a year and a half to get off the ground you know we launched the festival in 2006 with 28 breweries um you know limited music i think the band at the time that we used was the toga party band um i don't think that's who it was uh, and then just kind of little games here and there but really under the guise of you know drink better beer you know in our our sponsors at the time being nickel ultra which which was considered craft um some corona some kind of real weird you know and that first year kind of on a whim i thought you know what are we going to see and it was um two all-day sessions saturday and sunday eight hours of craft beer uh you know 28 breweries and we saw three thousand people we're like oh shit, all right this has some momentum um and still working my casino job, you know, bringing in customers and kind of, you know, so essentially doing 120 hour weeks. Like, let's just jam as much shit into 10 pound bag as we can uh, and, and you know, pull it off. And, you know, the f- festival hit and kind of caught some momentum, caught some momentum. Year two, uh, still, you know, all day sessions, you um, know, six hour sessions, I think they were at the time. And uh, saw, 5,800 people, almost 6,000 people, you know, and it's very rare that events see double-digit growth, right? So I was like, holy shit. Um, And one of the problems we saw was for the tickets we sold, we had a line around the block, right? Line around the block to get in so people weren't getting in in a super timely manner. Um, And it was a little chaotic of all day of craft beer drinking, you know, because at that time, people weren't used to or weren't aware of high ABV beers. You know, they're used to kind of the lighter beers and you know, now we're giving them a couple beers that were 12 percent were you know, and <laughs> it was like just running down the line, punching people in the face. Yeah. You get shit phased. You get <laughs> shit phased. You get shit phased.
0: They're used to so, four percenters. And, so the one yeah, the is like equal yeah. to three.
1: Yeah. So, you know, the evolution turned into, um, you know, all right, well, let's sit down and kind of rebuild this so that, you know, we're not blasting everybody. Um, and there was a there was a financial model that had to be adjusted because, you know, our model was always uh, we didn't want brewers to donate the beer because we thought there was a craft behind it and they should be compensated. Uh, so we kind of built the, what, you know, what we thought the amount of consumption per consumer was into the thing, into the into the ticket price. Um, but yeah, I mean, it essentially started from that and kind of snowballed. You know, it was just. I attended an event and was already kind of started to do events um with the tattoo expo and thought all right this can do be a better experience and then kind of it snowballed you know it just every year got better and better we broke down to the four sessions in 2006 is when the festival launched in 2010 um we launched it turned into a beer and music festival And the first bands were the Bouncing Souls, Reverend Horton Heat and Rusted Root. And that same year we launched the Atlantic City, which is now the uh, Down Beach Seafood Festival. Um, So started to add more programs. I think that year we launched a cigar gala as well and just kind of went full immerse into um, into the event world. Uh, So much so that we were thriving. and I left my job Uh, in the meantime, as I was doing kind of the casino host thing and the. Uh, player development thing, um, I said, I decided, you know what, I'm jumping ship. I've, I'm doing well here. um, And I put my resignation into Caesars Entertainment. They're like, no, 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 no. Have some more money and stay on and do what you're doing out there for us inside. And they promoted me to the director of business development for the Eastern division of Caesars Entertainment where you know, it created events for the Food Network, uh, Chocolate for the Food Network, um, Food Network, the Atlantic City Food Network, Food and Wine Festival. I did a soap opera event. I created what's now the National Beverage Program for Caesars Entertainment. So hung in there for about three more years. And then you know three years into our deal with the Food Network, uh, that deal was expiring. Uh, we were really thriving. We had a bunch of events on the outside. I was burning the candle at both ends like exhausted, burning the can. You know, I had staff outside of the festival um, uh, or outside of uh, Caesars Entertainment, you know, just good time tricycle staff and just said, fuck it, you know, resigned on my birthday and said, hey, you know, thanks for all the good years. You guys have been great for me, but, you know, I've got to pursue this and kind of do my thing and resigned August 4th, 2012, I think it was. But oh, yeah.
0: And not only were you doing all of that, I mean, you had a family too.
1: Yeah, you know, I married a pretty girl, kept knocking her up, making some babies. <laughs> um, she's allergic to sperm. That shit hits her. She busts, breaks out babies. Um, yeah, we had four kids. Um, one's a tattoo artist in Philly now, uh, one's a video game kid, one's in college, and one's 13. So, you know, just making babies and trying to do a career on the Jersey Shore, bro.
0: That's not easy.
1: Not. making the babies is easy. Actually, that's the fun super part. Super that's the, <laughs> that's
0: the, that's that's the, the fun, fun
1: part. part. <laughs> yep. Yep. Five minutes later. Shit.
0: Yeah. Whoops.
1: Yep. Yep. Phone rang. It startled me. I didn't get to pull out. <laughs> Goddamn phone. Yep. A pull out game on this one is bad.
0: <laughs> oh, man. But yeah. So, I mean, you, you were going to do that on your own. Eventually, they, they convinced you to stay, do a bunch of money. That's great. Um, you know, and you finally did, did it on your own. You're like, screw this. I could do it myself. I want to be on my my own. How scary was that? I mean, at this point, like you're. I mean, you get a good foundation, right? But you're going to go on your own. You have a family to support. And how how scary was it, or was it not?
1: Well, I I don't scare easy. I never was somebody who scared easy. Um, and I always thought something worth going into was worth going into aggressively, right? Um, so I don't think that I don't know that there was fear. Um. I am actually, there was no fear. It was just, all right, I've got a, I got a thing coming um, and fucking run, just do it. And that's exactly what we did. And we just haven't looked back. I'll tell you that leaving for my, I don't think she's going to listen so I can say it. Um, <laughs> just she doesn't listen to my podcast either. <laughs> um, that time, I think the, in my relationship, We're going to get into some Dr. Phil shit right now, bro. Okay,
2: let's do it.
1: In my relationship with my wife, um, the casino years, it was a taxing, you know, it was casinos. The casino lifestyle was taxing on my relationship. I can tell you from the moment I resigned to this very moment today, my relationship with my wife has been fantastic. You know, it was getting away from kind of that, those other distractions and kind of use and with my family building and building this business was probably the best thing I've ever done for kind of my long-term family health and mental health was to kind of go out on my own. So yeah, the fear thing is non-existent, you know, because, you know, and, and looking back, best thing I ever did hundred percent for financially, mentally, and, you know, for my relationship with my family.
0: Yeah. I don't think people really understand unless they're in it or they've seen it. I mean, you know, people who work in restaurants and that kind of industry, like, at night, you're not home, mm-hmm. and the wife's the wives are home, and or you know if, whether it's reversed or whatever it might be. Like you know, your mind wanders. What are they, you know, what are they doing? And there's a lot of temptations in it. a casino setting, the restaurant life, the bar life, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Uh, there's temptations. The devil is lurking around the corner, um, and it, yeah, I could definitely see where that could um, you know put uh, a strain, so to speak. And so it sounds like you made the right move.
1: Yeah, no, it was you know. I mean, again, we all we're all growing every day. You know, even when we're ninety, we're still learning, right?
2: Yeah. And
1: that for me was you know, and I didn't realize it at the time. You know, I didn't realize it at the time, but I did, and sooner than later, found my relationship with with my wife Carol just significantly better and better and better and better and better, and I was like, wow, all right, cool. You know, and she was invested, right? She sure. you know, you know, you've been to the events, she she sees you more than I do. She sees <laughs> you before I do. Yeah, you know, and she, you know, she just, you know, and it, it was something we did together as a family to the point where all the kids are involved. And, mm-hmm. You know, so yeah, for the long-term growth, yeah, it was it was an unexpected bonus.
0: Yeah, that's great. And you talk about not having fear, and obviously that's true because you take risks with every new event that you try and do. Mm-hmm. Um which is great. I mean, how do you, you know, seafood fest makes sense because you know, you're in Atlantic city, you're seaside, all that kind of good stuff. How do you go about, you know, picking other events to try and make work? I mean, you had, you did a bizarre, uh, AC event, which was one of my favorites, mm-hmm. the Chelsea hotel back in 2000, wow. I want to say 16, 15, 2015. I think it was or 16. I can't keep track anymore, but I mean, that was a great, event great spot um you know how do you pick and choose what events you try and pull off you know the partners you choose to to work with i mean how does it how does it all come together
1: um you know i'm very i pay attention to trends and lifestyle and and i look for kind of gaps i look for what this region could use and what this region will embrace by kind of all the moving parts within it um and culinary is a sweet spot for us right uh people like to eat people like to you know and i'll say it a bunch of times My team is sick of me hearing me say it, but opportunity for discovery, you know, and I and I bang that nail to death. You know, as human beings, we wanna discover and we wanna be, you know, the first to show somebody. And I think a lot of our success in our events comes from that you know we want to show you something you haven't seen we want to show you we want to we want you to experience a flavor you haven't experienced before we want you to meet people and see bands you haven't seen before we want you to laugh at things that you might not have laughed at before um, you know, and creating experiences around that and multi-layered experiences, right? So, you know, you're going to come to witchcraft and you're going to experience spirits and restaurants and you're going to get dressed up and you're going to get scared and you're going to, you know, all of that in a four hour time frame. So we take these kind of short windows and we create opportunity within those four windows, uh, within those windows. Um, and I always approach an event or a new concept like that. Like how dimensional is it? You know, is there an opportunity for discovery? Uh, Is there an opportunity for camaraderie? Uh, Is it a place to make new friends? Is it a place to hang out with existing friends? So I kind of ask myself all these questions when I go into it. And, you know, what is the after kind of shockwave? You know, are people, is it going to be something that people talk about? You know, are we going to be able to build it? And I've been relatively successful in building a lot of these programs word of mouth. Right. I had such a great experience, you know, and, you know, they leave a review. They tell, you know, two friends who tell two other friends and out of those, you know, four people two buy tickets. And, you know, and it just keeps over and over and over again. But really, you know, I kind of lean on that lifestyle, you know, opportunity for discovery and human curiosity. And culinary seems to be the kind of that that hot button. You know, people are consumers and they want to consume.
0: Yeah. I mean, food and drink, big, big, uh, big joys in life. Right. And I mean, Hey, I mean, I want to talk about the beer fest real quick. I mean, one week or one, one year I walked or I came down with, I think 12 people, you know, I went down, I came down the uh, 2014 with like four of us and next year I told all my friends and there was, you know, 12, 13, 14, 15 of us. Um, so you're right. You know, you, you give people the experience and they tell their friends and they you know, are coming from four hours away. So it's obviously it's, a great weekend. It's a great time. I mean, beer fest. If you don't like music, there's the beer. There's um, uh, the stripper dunk tank. There are the toilet, the toilet racing. There's giant cornhole. There's you know, the dizzy bat field goal thing. And there's literally something for everyone. Even if you don't drink, like you can go there and have a great time. So you do a really great job at obviously offering something for everyone uh, at all these events. I mean, the seafood fest is a, a wonderful. Uh, family event, you know, you have, um, you know, you can take your, you know, four or five-year-old kid with you. Um, there's a lot of, uh, activation for an audience of that age too. So yeah, you really do keep, keep that in mind with everything you do.
1: Yeah. And we, and we always want to make something fresh. So, you know, there'll always be the kind of the same things that people really enjoyed at a lot of the festivals. We'll re, will recreate those. Uh, but then there's always something new. Right. Like, you know, you mentioned Seafood Fest, like, you know, we threw the hula dancers in the mix this year. You know, we've done the pet costume contest as part of the Seafood Fest, crab cake eating contest, Chowder Cook-Off, Craft Beers of New Jersey Tasting Tent. Like just with cooking demos, you know, wine seminars, Just you know, really kind of saying, all right, well, let's tickle all your senses. You think you're going to be here for an hour, but we're going to keep you for two or three, you know, and with, you know, with um, the Tattoo Expo, it's the same exact thing. You know, it's like, yeah, you're going to come, you're going to meet artists you've never met before. You're going, you could possibly get tattooed by somebody on the West coast. You won't, would never have the opportunity to get tattooed by, oh, by the way, you know, there is a eight foot tall, gorgeous woman swallowing swords while a three foot tall micro penguin with weird hands, you know, is dangling off of her tassels. Like just what up, you know, we, we <laughs> give people something to talk about and you know, I hate that people are always this. I hate this. I hate this. I hate this. Right. But we're giving people real Instagrammable moments. Right? You know, and I and That's go through,
0: good for you too.
1: Oh, 100%, 100%. Cuz I'll go through um I'll go through Instagram after an event and I'll put our hashtags in and I'll just see how many there are. Mm. You know, and we're getting to the point where there's tens of thousands of, them. you know, for across the span of all of our events. Uh, and I go in and you know, and I thank everybody for coming. Thanks for coming. Thanks for coming. Thanks for coming. Thanks for, thank for coming. I try to personally touch as many attendees as possible. The mace burns when you do that, but try to touch all of them. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, yeah, and you know, you, t- you take the risk. I know you did the one year the cider social when ciders were kind of kind of big. That was yeah, that Was, uh, was that, that, that a two, one and two. done? No, we did
1: that for two years, two? Um, and both were very successful. Yeah, and you know, again, when we we pick a trend, we follow it, and we try to throw fuel on that trend. Um, and we watched that overnight, almost like the weird kind of alcoholic soda thing go (laughs) literally watched the cider trend, um, peak and crash in the three-year period, which was weird. Uh, which oddly enough, the seltzer trend is following right now.
0: Right. And you're doing one of those, right?
1: Yep. Um, no, because we saw that I was watching it and I saw the seltzer trend go kind of even out. And now it's starting to do this.
0: Cause I saw, I saw signs for that. Geology. was that like, Yeah. Um, yeah
1: COVID had kind of pulled the wind out of that sales. Um, you know, right after beer fest, we were going to jump into it and it was still, you know, people were kind of still bucking out about COVID, bucking yeah. out about COVID. And I was like, you know what, let's kill it. Uh, and we were not known for killing an event, you know, mid, mid production. Right. And I was like, yeah. Writings on the wall. Let's, let's kill it. And it's funny. We killed it. And that weekend was a major monsoon in Atlantic city. So it was like matrix. Cool. Shit. Right. You know? So yeah. You know, and then, you know, looking back at it, uh, you know, it was probably a blessing in disguise. You know, we didn't spend a couple hundred grand on producing, you know, this event that was going to fizzle out three years later. Right. You know, and, you know, I've kind of got this, you know, again, I said earlier, I hate to be the beer fest guy. But we have a commitment to craft beer that we had for 16 years, and we saw the um, whole seltzer movement kind of punching craft beer in the gut, uh, so much so that these craft beer guys were creating seltzers, which was so out of their wheelhouse, that coming into uh, 2022, coming into this year's Beer Fest, we really need to remind people that, man, there's so much fucking good beer out there, you know. Stop with the weird distractions with bubbly drinks and get back to pouring fucking barley and hops in your face holes, you bunch of fucking pansies. <laughs> well,
0: that's a good that's a good segue. I mean, I I feel like a, you get to a point where, you know, there's so many craft beers out there. You know, there's obviously some big players that are consistent, they taste great, they're, they're just consistently good. And there's some flyby nighters and you know, whatever, small, small, small batches. But do you ever think that you'll get to a point where Someone's gonna be like, "I just want to have a fucking Miller Lite." Like, enough with the fucking hops, you know, smashing me in the mouth. Like, do you ever think there's gonna be a time where the craft beer kind of goes backwards, or do you think it maybe already has with the ciders and the seltzers, and now it kind of pushed them out of the way again and you know, back up?
1: It's, it's very ebb and flow, right? Um, you'll go through years where kind of the IPA burn and triple hop, quadruple hop, you know, IPAs, and you know, um, it ebb and flow, and It's funny when I talk to people who uh, attend the festival, because, you know, we've been doing this for 16 years, right? How do you keep it? How do you keep it exciting? How do you keep it flavorful? You know, I always task people, again, I'm going to go to Opportunity for Discovery, to drink outside their wheelhouse. You know, what do you normally like? Who do you normally drink? Great. They're all still going to be here. Go do something new. Go try something new. Go try a brewery you've never tried before and try a style that might be out of your wheelhouse. You know, just try it. Give it a shot. I am, um,
0: I'm a Belgian white
1: guy, I don't, I very rarely stray, Uh, you know, if somebody has a Belgian white, it's kind of the first thing I go to when I see a beer list, you know, my safety beer is always Allagash white, Um, then I'll, you know, I'll play around with lagers and, you know, once in a while I'll go to the IPA when I'm feeling adventurous, I go to the sour, so I kind of stay all over the map and it's by design, Um, lead by example, right? you know, try different things, right. You know, so, you know, when we go to, and I, and I talk about it, you you, you know, you followed me on Instagram where you'll see if I'm trying different things, very vocal about it, you know, because I'm encouraging others to do the same exact thing. And I think that's how with these festivals, the industry kind of flows with itself, how to support a lot of these brands and how to support new styles and, you know, hazy this and, you know, blah, blah, blah. Um, You know, I think it's just encouraging people to kind of go outside of their comfort zone with, with flavor.
0: I'm a big fan of the hazy stuff this year.
1: Yeah. Dirty beer.
0: Yeah. Whatever. Mm-hmm. I like it. And
1: a lot are. There's, you know, um, our friends at Bolero snort, make a lot of hazy stuff and fuck, shit's all delicious. You know, I am, you know, I, I believe in a thing called palate fatigue that uh too many different alcohol sources and too much hop will burn your palate to where you can't really um, enjoy a lot of things. So I like to tell people kind of start off on the lower ABV side, um, stay away from crazy IPAs in the beginning and then work up to it. And you'll kind of avoid what's called palate fatigue.
0: Yeah. And this past year in 2021, you did it outside at uh, Bader Field, um, which was once the host to uh, the Seafood Fest, right? Yep. Um, oh, well, you know what, Let's, well, let me ask this question first before we get into um the beer fest and it's the reason for that you say you don't have fear okay well i know that when 2020 came and covid you know basically ruined the entire year because your first event of the year typically is in march of uh, the, the year um typically the late late march early april that's that's a beer fest and obviously covid came in middle of march of 2020 and basically crushed your entire ear. I mean, that had to be maybe the one moment of your life where you had to have been scared.
1: It was a lot, le- so a very confident person, never really understood the anxiety thing, number and I felt it, I saw it happening in real time. Uh, when it was announced and they started to talk about it, I had, I remember taking my daughter to dinner. She wanted to go to dinner. Um, and I, it was all happening in real time. Uh, and I took her and I was very kind of in a fog because I knew what was happening, you know, and I didn't, I don't know what it was, but I could sense that this is going to fuck us. Right. Um, it was essentially four weeks before the, before the 2020 festival. Uh, and I had this insane feeling that I've never felt before. It was this weird, feeling of lack of control and sinking, right? And I didn't, I never experienced anything like this before. Um, and it threw us in this crazy, you know, and brought the staff in. It was like, all right, we need to watch this. We need to watch this. Um and I'd said in a meeting when they're like, ah, oh, two weeks to, you know, give us two weeks, I was like, this yeah. isn't a two-week thing. This no. isn't a two-week thing. This is long term. Um and how prepared financially, how prepared mentally, you know, and how does this affect in fe- an um, in industry that's sole purpose and my sole purpose from, you know, was, has been for my entire career, bringing people together, be it, you know, one by one or by the tens of thousands and saw it coming. And I remember my daughter saying, it's just going to pass. And I was in this, bay- and she was 17 years old, 18 years, 17 years old. And I was like, No. It's not, you know, and you don't know what you're talking about. And then here I was, you know, uh, let kept the staff on till about June and was like, all right, you know, this is, you know, all hands on deck. You know, what do we do? Um, And had to lay everybody off. And Jen started to say, okay, you know, put finances in place, um, made some financial decisions that today I regret because I didn't have to do it um started the begging the government process you know uh getting kind of getting ready and not sure (sighs) working on a resume i hadn't i've never done a resume you know i didn't have to because i've always written my own ticket um you know and just kind of really saying all right how do i navigate what are my next steps in life Am am i gonna be selling cars am i gonna be you know do you want fries with that you know what am i capable of doing you know so it was a real awkward um, dive into mental health that I wasn't, I don't think I was ever prepared for uh, or, you know, didn't know a thing, you know, like, you know, against going back to a guy who never really feared anything, you know, now I was kind of staring at the kind of a career financial uncertainty, you know, making from going to, from making X amount of dollars to, you know, to, th- to uh, 2020 was a quarter of a million dollar hard loss for our company. Mm-hmm. You know, and how do you dig out of that? You know, and, uh, you know, fortunately, you know, paid a lot of attention, a lot of attention to what was going on, you know, like everybody said, follow the science, um, and was never a denier, but was always like, yeah, this isn't something that's going anywhere ever, like ever, we need to be prepared to live with it, and was saying it for relatively from the jump, Um, and a lot of things that are being, you know, put out there now, we were saying earlier, but. I'm not a fucking doctor. I'm just, you know, maybe was I being optimistic? Was I being realistic? You know, and then as the kind of the cloud started, to kind of part we saw where, you know, opportunity lied. Um, had to make some significant changes, financial changes to the company. Um, had to make some changes as far as the, kind of of the, the festival, you know, as itself. And it's funny because at the same time, we were going through this we were going through this weird negotiation process with the convention center about the festival. Um, and they came out with a lot of crazy numbers as far as, you know, essentially raising our rent significantly like and coming out of a pandemic, right? Um, well, we made the decision in, in going back and forth um, with the convention center and more so um, uh, Comcast Spectra, Spectacore, um, we were initially going to say, okay, well, we're going to do the festival. We're going to do it outside, but we're going to do it in your parking lots adjacent to the, to the uh, building and found ourselves being put. And at this time we had already had 16 or 17,000 tickets sold and very few people were returning their tickets and gave everybody that option. Like where yeah. Ticketmaster were complete fucking scumbags, you know, saying, you know, oh, we'll give you credit for this. We'll give you credit for that. And trying to bully us into the same thing. And it's why we don't use Ticketmaster now. We were like, you need to give these fucking people their money back. You know, God forbid the, you know, the hundred and forty dollars for two tickets that people bought, you know, help them, you know, pay an electric bill, feed their family. Like, you give those fucking people that money back, or we're gonna burn your fucking building down. Like, you work for me, I don't fucking work for you. Yeah. And that was the ticket. That was literally the Ticketmaster conversation. Like, I and Platt said to him, we will expose every shitty portion of you you will give these fucking people their money back. You'll do it in a timely manner. you know. And they're like, well, you know, that affects you. I was like, all right, but that's my problem. Making sure I will not, I couldn't sleep thinking for a single second that people thought we fucked them out of a dollar,
2: mm-hmm.
1: you know, and that we were greedy. I couldn't, I, I literally couldn't process that. So that was a battle. And then, you know, the convention center trying to hold a gun to our head, raising prices, raising costs. You can't use this without this. And Having a conversation with, you know, the mayor saying, hey, you know, we need to be outside. We're going to take and we changed the dates a couple of times. We went from March to August. And then from August to April. And then from April, it was like, yep, nope, we're gonna be in June. You know, so we kind of did, 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 did and, you know, bands jumping and coming back in and jumping and coming back in, and then, you know, trying to find bands that wanted to perform right out of right out of the cooties, man. Like trying to find those bands was a fucking nightmare uh fortunately we had good relationships with guys like less and jake they want to play you know face to face they want to play you know early november they want to play you know so we i probably got off track because i do that
0: oh is- uh, you're, you're good it kind of went right into where i was going uh before i asked the question about being scared of the, the you know your yeah, business so, your livelihood. Yes,
1: fucking terrified so yes i experienced fear um experience anxiety like and i think we talked about it and i we did a podcast on it as well with the big boy voices um yeah it was kind of a foray that to this day still affects me which is weird um a fear at times that that whole thing took away some of the passion that i had for event producing right like that that fear piece i struggle with that today i struggle with that you know, to where before I'd get an email where somebody would opt out or you know never phased me. I was like, oh, but now it's, I feel like find like little things like that probably phase me a little more, um, and I don't know why. I can't put a finger on it. You know, now that we're you know, COVID, it didn't pass. We're still fucking dealing. You know, we're still fucking talking about it. It's fucking absurd. Um, Tired of it.
0: <laughs> Tired of it.
1: Yeah, dude. I was like, you know, are you going in the store? And you know, I, you know, you, I look at, lead by example, and I say that a bunch you know, understand that people have feelings and blah, 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 you know, I'm willing to make sacrifices uh, myself so that, you know, other people feel comfortable around, but it's like, it's exhausting, right? Um, and we're in that place where I thought we'd be, you know, two years ago, like, we're going to have to live with it. and Now that's kind of everybody's like, hey, we're living with it, you know, um, but being the first events, you know, it's kind of staying the course and saying, all right, well, we're still doing this, we're still doing this. We were the first event, um, minus some sporting events, uh, to hit the East Coast uh, right after COVID restrictions were kind of pulled back. As we were leading into it, um, I started to see gaps and opportunities, which drove us to kind of the larger space. Bader Field having Sandcastle Stadium and sports, sports uh, facilities saying, hey, you know, you can do outdoor gatherings. If you've got parking lots of x amount of uh, an x amount of this, and I did the math for Bader Field as it was connected to the Surf Stadium, and I was like, okay, well, I've got 146 acres, and if I spread a festival out over this space, you know, and limit our capacity to where we were typically 30,000, brought it to 16,000, um, spread everybody 10 foot of p- every uh, beer and exhibitor and 10 foot apart, do it on you know what was. million square feet everybody got could get a 12 by 12 block to themselves if they wanted to like did all the math and found all the loopholes and i was like all right here's how we're going to do it and brought it to um the mayor uh our health uh our health commissioner um and kind of ran it up a bunch of flagpoles and figured out how to move forward you know i'll tell you that that part of it was relatively exciting and I don't know if it was exciting because I was like, yeah, I'm bucking the system. I'm going to be the first uh, until that weekend when we were the first. And there were fucking news helicopters flying over the fucking Bader field <laughs> and my phone blowing up with reporters I've never talked to before. And, you know, people actually, I've never had anybody openly rooting for us to fail. And there was a whole group of people out there going, it's still a pandemic. You're irresponsible. blah, blah, blah. Super spreader event, super spreader event. And I just kept like, holy fuck, and just wanting to defy it all. And we pulled it off to rave reviews, which then, you know, with the kind of going back and forth with the convention center and a weird level of greed that I've never experienced before from an organization um, led us to say, all right, well, fuck it. We're now an outdoor festival. And we're now in June, which then told, which took my entire business and did this, all right, now, you know, where, you know, your signature event was the first thing that brought people to the city is now kind of in the end of spring, beginning of summer, you know, now you've got a a fucking stupid word, pivot, pivot to, you know, all right, let's put some new programs kind of in that spring. So May, let's do a spicy food fast. Let's do, you know, and caused us to do kind of a dynamic shift and, experience with uh experiment with capital and saying, all right, well, you know, put our money where our maths are, we're good at this, you know, and then trying to get people to buy in and, you know, with our seafood festival. And you know, like, what did we pull off in 2021? We pulled off the beer fest. We pulled off micro wrestling. We pulled off the dragon boat we race. We pulled off um seafood uh sea, did I say seafood fest? Yeah. So that's how good it was. I said it twice. <laughs> uh we pulled off witchcraft. We pulled off the Tattoo Expo. So it was like, all right, you know, we're back in business um and then it was like looking at this year 2022 like all right well what do we add to the calendar you know and what do people want to participate in and you know who has staff to participate in shit and so that's kind of you know there's just more and more challenges you know coming out of 21 thinking 22 is going to be you know everybody's going to want to partner everybody's a visionary everybody's excited and learning the exact fucking opposite you know everybody's kind of still
2: hiding
0: yeah, and now you're doing another outdoor festival, and John, I'm sorry, um, you don't have any more hair to lose uh, worrying about the weather.
1: So here's what witchcraft um, taught me, barring a fucking hurricane.
0: Yeah, how about that? Yeah,
1: yeah so uh, witchcraft, which was our mystical encounters and bruising spirits, um, in 19 was a fantastic experience. Uh, Then the place that we did, we're doing witchcraft, when under construction, no events were happening, and then we canceled it in 2020, and then found a new location in 2021, which I just actually announced the dates for uh, this year. Um, I was always kind of rain or shine, rain or shine, rain or shine. We've done a seafood fest in a monsoon, It sucked, it was terrible, it was stressful. Um, Our biggest payday is clearly the beer music festival that allows us the luxury of kind of experimenting with other events and programs. Um, and I was always weird with the rain or shine, rain or shine, rain or shine. This year for witchcraft, I was like, well, we got no other options. You know, everybody's fighting for dates in the calendar from an event perspective, from a you know from a calendar perspective. There's only so many days. Um, everybody from the you know from the brewery partners, the distillery partners, vendor partners, talent partners, all have things booked on bookend weekends. So that whole uh, raid date thing that's out the window. Like any, there's economically for any large scale festival, rain dates just aren't a thing. They don't exist. You know, throw them out, throw them out, throw that baby out with the bathwater. Right. So we leaned into the rain or shine thing. Um, Two hours into witchcraft, which was fucking rad. uh, Skies opened up and I thought, all right, it's going to be a mass exodus. We sold 3000 tickets. People are going to fucking run and I'm standing near the gate and it just. And nobody was moving everybody was drinking, dancing, just having a blast in the rain. I turned to uh, my team and I was like, yep, we're rain or shine for everything, you know, and that's kind of how we're going to take it. You know, like when we talk about the beer fest in June, yeah, good fucking rain, you know, but beer's wet, you know, make the best of it. And I think that as a human race, right, we're too consumed with the things that make us uncomfortable and, you know, and discounting experiences because it's fog it's muggy out it's raining out it's too hot it's like when i announced that we were doing the event outside again in june i had fucking people crying about well what about if it rains or it was too hot or if it was like (laughs) what the fuck have we done to the human beings in this country over the last couple years where you know everybody thinks their their opinion counts and everybody's afraid of everything
0: the internet john the internet
1: yeah right it is and here we are we're on the internet you know, whatever happened to go with the flow, man. Go with the yeah. flow. You know, some of the best experiences are, you know, unplanned, you know, weird circumstance. You know, and if it rains and you get wet, what's the worst thing that happens? You get wet.
0: Yeah. You think about the people at Woodstock. I remember I remember seeing pictures of people just completely muddy.
1: Yep. Yep. And that's funny because you know, that's kind of gonna be a message. Um that we put out there like we've we've already kind of thought about the weather kind of scenario for kind of all the events across across the board and working with um, the cancer support community um at gilda's club to create sunscreen stations right um and to have um rain slickers available if it rains right and you know in the back it's like fuck it it's a festival it's a party and sometimes it rains
0: yeah yeah and i'm sure that you learned a lot you know the first year at Bader Field, you, you took everything. You're, you're not a you're, you're a planner. You, you said that, so you, obviously you took all. You took a lot of notes. You, you, you know what you you did bad. You know what you could do better, uh, and I'm sure it's going to come back this year, um, better than last year for you know, sure. Every time you
1: do something, like from raising kids to cooking meals, to you've got to do it once to improve it. Yeah, right. And we we did 15 years of a festival indoors. Um, and we've no stranger to outdoor events, but this, this being, you know, a massive undertaking um, had some tweaks. So we laid it out we let it happen. And we watched kind of where the chips fell. Uh, and yeah, the learnings, I mean, and the learnings are obvious, you know, the learnings that you see change the festival as it from, as it stays as an outdoor festival, the learnings were eliminate night sessions. There is unnecessary risk uh, when you can't light 146 um anchor space properly you know yeah. so there's massive learnings there right um and that caused us to say okay let's day drink let's have an outdoor festival in the daytime and when we announced that it, it was went from three sessions to two and you know people lost their minds it was it was lord of the flies fucking weird bro like i'm watching kind of and you know they say don't read the comments i read the comments and i comment i intend <laughs> to comment via gif Right, Like, all right, like, you know, if you say something stupid, you get a stupid gift and just watched people as if they'd never attended anything outside Ember. Yeah. And when the vast majority of music festivals are all daytime and outdoors. So just watching this weird, like, what the fuck are you people crying about? Like, we figured out a way to keep you safer, to make the environment the safer environment you know, and giving you opportunities to explore Atlantic City from, you know, pre and post festival to where before, you know, the festival was over at, you know, midnight or 10 o'clock. And it was like, all right, well, here's the select opportunities because of time frame. Now, those opportunities have been greatly expanded because you've got more time to explore Atlantic City. And we encourage that. And you're going to see shortly, you're going to see programs where we talk about why, you know how to how to explore Atlantic City. And we're going to give you tools and keys to do that. Uh, And because we're obligated, we have an obligation to the city to drive tourism. And we've got obligations to friends who owns bars and restaurants and whatnot to, you know, to just traditionally when the festival is at the center of the city. I fucking ramble. Don't I ramble? I'm a ramble. No, you're good. This is a lot of good information. The festival is, you know, and any festival is dead center to the city. You know, we used to dump everybody out, all 30,000 people over the course of the weekend into the city. You know, now we're at Bader Field, we're on the, you know, on the shoulder of the city. So we have to come up with tips and tricks to get people kind of to roll in, you know, to the city to kind of experience some of the rad food and culinary and people and entertainment that the city has to offer.
0: Yeah. And, and everyone thinks that these festivals just happen they and they, they know more than the guys actually doing it, guys and girls doing it. Um, I mean, I was there last year. Um, The only, and I'm sure you've probably came up with a solution or at least to to minimize it. Uh, I mean, I don't have a complaint because I love you and I know how much hard work you put into it, you and your staff. So this is not a complaint. I think from what I heard, you know, being there was you know, um, Ubers and things like that getting to, and then ultimately from you know, when it was over, getting getting out of the the area.
1: Yeah, so that falls back under that. You got to do it once to see what's broken, sure, right? of course. Um, and then it ended up being a sub- supply and demand issue as well. There's only so many Uber drivers. There's only, mm-hmm. you know, and attendees forget that they need to take a level of responsibility for themselves. Yeah. Right? Um, the Uber, Lyft, uh, rideshare thing was one of the first things that we tackled coming into this year uh, to where it was so much so where we've got a partnership with Lyft now. I'm sorry, Uber now. Um And kind of put an APB out to all the Uber drivers from here to Philly that speaks to the demand and where to drop off and where to pick up, you know, and being able to communicate that to the riders as well as, you know, to the drivers themselves, you know, because they're independent contractors, but it does fall into a a supply and demand issue, Mm -hmm. right? There's only so many of them. And, you know, this year there'll be two sessions of 10,000 people, you know plan accordingly, take responsibility for your own kind of experience, you know, and I don't know when and how people thought they, they needed to be spoon fed, right? Like, Hey, you know, okay, let me hold your hand and get you to the car, you know? Um, but understanding that, yeah, that was for people, that was a bit of a bugaboo. So making sure that there's more jitneys, you know, apparently people don't like to walk, right? People hate that. <laughs> and that that was kind of one of the complaints was, well, how do we get You know, we're going to Caesars. Well, you know, Caesars is actually 1.5 miles away. You could walk. Mm Ugh, walk. You know, but I'm going to be bagged up. Okay, well, let get yourself to the boardwalk. Get yourself to the boardwalk, which is a quarter of a mile from Baderfield. You've spent the whole festival walking a mile. You did it. You were doing it. You were doing it so you can walk another quarter of a mile. We're going to arrange to have all the rolling chairs from the city meet festival attendees at the (laughs) end at the beginning of the boardwalk by stockton so walk that far and then throw somebody who's working for a living 20 bucks to push you down and have this rad atlantic city rolling chair experience yeah like okay so now we've 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 held we've held your hand with the uber situation we've gotten this rolling chair piece we're working with the jitney association you know so now it's like all right here are kind of key ways to come in and come out and arrive early if you don't want to wait in line show up early you know if you show up at you know, two o'clock on the nose Saturday, twelve o'clock on the nose Sunday. We're gonna wait, and that's kind of your own fault because we would asked you to arrive early.
0: Yeah, we were at the Hard Rock, and um, we we requested a couple Ubers. That I don't know if they canceled us or what happened, but the best was um, the limo drivers took advantage of the whole situation because mm-hmm. they were charging twenty bucks a person, yep, and they were putting eight, nine, ten people in. But you made new friends in the, the limo on the way there. You're all going to the same place. You're all the same goal, and you know you got there quick. It was it was it was good.
1: It's listen. It's this is a tourism market. It's based on every everything from the hot dog vendor to the street to the limo driver you met to the you know to the guy park valley parking your car to everything costs money. Everything's a dollar. Everything and people forget that. People yeah. forget that this is a tourism and it's significantly less expensive than other tourism driven markets. But every time somebody has got to pull a dollar out, $20 out, it's like, ah, oh, it's the end of the world. <laughs> Convenience costs money.
0: Yeah. That's why you're paying $2 for a 20 ounce bottle of soda at a uh, convenient mart. And when a, a two liter bottle at the grocery store is a dollar.
1: Yeah. True story. True story. Right. Like, you know, we, I do, I think we do a good job of, being cognizant of cost, right? Um, I struggle with raising ticket prices. You know, I believe my festival is under, is my price point is far less than what the offering is. It's not just beer fest, it's everything we do. You know, I think the offering is significantly less than, you know, more than what the experience costs. You know, think about this year, Alkaline Trio, right? You know, um, when are you posting this?
0: Uh next week, sometime.
1: So okay. Alkaline Trio. So today
0: is today's the February second, so around the ninth.
1: All right. Well, tomorrow I'm going to announce that Thrice is opening for Alkaline Trio. Okay. You know, fantastic. Um, newfound glory. Um I, I gotta announce after Valentine's Day, I can announce the support acts, which are big. You know, so you're gonna go to a concert. Essentially all the beer you can drink. Right. Tons of activities for $70 plus tax and fees. Like if you go to a, just a just a concert ticket will cost you 40 or 50 bucks. Then go get two beers. You've already spent more than you would spent on your Atlantic City Beer Music Festival
0: ticket. Buddy, I don't know who you're seeing for 40 or 50 bucks. I mean, you you, you see a, a band like the Foo Fighters or someone like of that level. I mean, even if you want to see the Newfound Glory, you're going to spend Yeah, right, maybe maybe that's for, around the, the price point you're talking 50 about. 50, yeah, okay. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, so
1: Trio, same exact thing. You get
0: two uh, beers at one of those shows. That's that's twenty bucks right there. Top. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So you know, people people need to realize kind of what's involved in the experience, uh, how much is going on, and it's not just beer fest. It's witchcraft. It's you know, uh, it's the the seafood fest. It's kind of all of these programs. They have a cost, but the cost is far less than the the actual value itself of the experience. And I think smart consumers realize that. Um, smart event producers, you know, kind of look at their price points and look at, you know, is this worth, is the juice worth the squeeze? You know, and I think I lose sleep over it. I lose sleep over pricing and making sure our pricing is according. And I'll do it. I'll say, okay, I'm going to go to a concert. I'm going to do this. I'm grabbing some beers. I'm going to get something to eat. All right, cool. I'm literally three times what I, what I'm asking people to spend on our experience.
0: Right. So AC Beer Fest, June fourth fourth and-, fifth, fourth and fifth maybe watching listening check out the uh, events from previous years check out photos but definitely uh get tickets for this year it's always a good time um you talk about getting people to talk about uh, your events and things like that you added i want to say it was 2016 uh the micro wrestling mm-hmm for us children, you know, I, 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 was it always called micro? Uh, was it ever called midget wrestling?
1: So when we start, so here's who changed how it was. It's funny. Um, it was midget wrestling. Knee high midget, wrestling. Yes. midget wrestling, all yes. of our wrestlers, flying Ryan, little Mario, little miss, little
0: um, Mario, I'm a, I'm he's
1: a man. Yeah, Blue Mario is a man. I'm a midget wrestler, I'm a midget wrestler. Fast forward two years into it. Um, I you know, put the event up and go to launch the event, and it says no. Yeah, flag a derogatory term
0: yeah so yeah.
1: i call i call my buddy jack daryl who owns the micro wrestling federation i'm like dude he's like i'm in the process of literally we discovered it at the same exact time he had to uplift and change his entire fucking business model to be micro you know we had in which is we just had to change some names this guy had to uh, do change his entire program website like he had to scrub his entire site to make sure that the word midget wasn't anywhere. You know, we had to do the same thing, but not to the extent that this guy who's been running this troop for almost a decade had had to do. So it was crazy. Uh, but it was Facebook that mm-hmm. ultimately determined the name change from midget to micro. You know, and it was funny. I'd gotten the first year we did it. I had a woman call, actually called and she was <laughs> abrasive uh she's like i can't believe you can sleep at night what if that was one of your kids I was like lady if that was my kid i'd be the guy in the front row with the foam finger waving it because he found an advantage uh he found something that may have been a disadvantage and turned it into an advantage and he's getting paid i pay these people i know what they fucking make and they're doing better than most
0: yeah absolutely Mm -hmm. i'm sure yeah i was i was sure you got uh some nasty messages for that. Well, it was
1: funny. I was, I was hoping cause I had some friends on the hook and we made signs um, with arrows and stuff. I was hoping we'd get protesters cause I had friends uh, dressed as wizards and I was going to have them go stand by the, by the uh, people protesting with signs with arrows pointing to the people that said, these people hate magical creatures. <laughs> Never happened, but it was, we were ready for it. I was excited. I was hoping it was going to be a thing cause that would have been part of our promo video. You know, the, Protesters, because
0: everybody loves a good protest.
1: Absolutely, as we learned through 2020.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Jeez, yeah. Uh, You know, you talk about censorship. You talk about, uh, you know, Facebook kind of putting the the screws to you a bit. I mean, how how do you, as, as someone who likes to push the envelope, likes to make people talk? How do you navigate the world that we're living in? Because everything's so everyone's so sensitive everyone you, you know you you constantly have to worry about you know someone who doesn't want to get wet at a festival and and, and all these things like how how do you as, as someone who likes to I said, push the up how do you how do you navigate all that
1: i'm a firm believer that cooler heads are eventually going to prevail right um i never do anything intentionally to make anybody feel excluded or of course I, I, and i think we emanate that right from a from a, um, from a company standpoint, from a, you know, um, listen, you're happy. It's not my job. It's not my place to make you feel unhappy. It's not my, and it's never my intention, right? So if it's life choices that you make, or if they don't inline, align with what we do, then don't be a part of it, but I'll never actively make you feel uncomfortable about the choices that you make. Um, and as a festival philosophy, we do the same thing. Um, it was funny. One day, I don't even know if this is a good idea that I can bring this up. Uh, <laughs>
0: so I have like five listeners. It's fine.
1: That's all right. All right, cool. Um,
0: Maybe more than that, no, but you've got, got, more, you're you're got significantly
1: more than five <laughs> listeners. Um, so I had struggled with um, pre-2020, right? I wanted to book against me in the worst way. I thought this is a real fucking rock and roll band. Yeah. Right? Against me. Laura Jane Grace, just a fucking rock and roll band. Um, my fear was that the craft beer community wouldn't embrace the transgender portion of right. um, um, against me, you know. And in doing that, they they would miss just some of the best fucking rock and roll music that exists on our planet
2: right now. Yep, um,
1: I think against me is it better than a Foo Fighters? I think they I think it's just a fucking fantastic band. Um, And I thought, you know, in in 18, you know, Jason, who does a lot of the booking for us, we talked about, I was like, "Eh, maybe not yet, because there's still a little bit of that, you know, macho man in in the beer world. I mean, it's the beer world. Uh, And then in 19, um, I watched a brewer kind of poke her head out. Um, And, you know, she was a friend and she, you know, going through the transition. uh, And I thought, all right, if this, this is my this is my, um, I guess, canary in the coal mine, I guess, I think is a proper analogy. Sure. Uh, if she's thriving in this industry, make it, make it um, against me an offer because now I see a level of acceptance. I see that this is cool and this is cool because, you know, Beer Fest has always had, you know, men, women, gay, straight, black, white, you know, humans of all shapes and sizes kind of always came together. In um, all of our events to celebrate, you know, seafood, beer, horror, you know, whatever. But this was that kind of that that. All right, now I know that, you know, we are completely open minded to to what's going on in the world, and never would do anything to make anybody feel uncomfortable. Like bringing a against me and a Laura Jane Grace to kind of the, our main stage, and unfortunately because of COVID, it fell through, and then the brand kind of band went their separate ways. But um, That was kind of for us. My thought, my feeling has always been like the weather thing if you're afraid of getting wet and you're afraid of getting, you know, a sunburn, I've got very little empathy. I got no empathy for that, you know, but we would never put or do anything that would, from a festival standpoint for any of our programs, exclude or um, make anybody feel like they didn't belong uh, because it's counterproductive to what we do as event producers. You know, if I do my job correctly, everybody belongs. You know, if the subject matter, whether you're straight, gay, trans, big, fat, black, white, whatever, um, you know, if that, you know, if our subject matter fits you then you are welcome, Um, you know, I never subscribe to that, you know, when people say, oh, I don't see, I don't see black or white bullshit, you're fucking lying. I see big noses, I see big tits. How do I not see black and white, right? Um, It's just, I don't give a fuck, you know, and Kind of our organization was just like, man, if you're gonna have a good time and you can embrace the good time and add to the good time and you know be a part of that experience, we don't give a shit and we'll never make you feel uncomfortable. Uh so that was kind of the way we always went into it, especially with this. It was unapologetically welcoming. You know, and I think that's probably the best way to say it. Um, you know, the whole cancel culture thing, I don't subscribe to, and I think if you don't subscribe to it, it doesn't affect you. Um, as long as you're honest and you're honest, Mm -hmm. you know, treat people the way you want to be treated regardless. So I think we've, I think we've kind of navigated that, this thing that we're going through right now, I think relatively honestly, um, you know, I don't think we've ever been called on a carpet for any of it, uh, because I think, you know, it's all going to, I, to a fault put myself out there. Um, so I think if that were to be a thing we would have experienced at this point, you know? But, you know, I, I, you know, I think the, the short, the short version of that fucking 30 minute answer I just gave you, um, is, you know, I think at some point, you know, we're all going to be, have to be a little honest with ourselves and cooler heads will prevail.
0: Now you're, uh, you're like me, you're a fan of Joe Rogan. What are, you, what are your thoughts on him right now? Now that we're talking so about,
1: so here's, here's what I'm disappointed in. Um, shut the fuck up about the COVID man. That's all he fucking talks about. I
2: know. You know? Um.
1: It's all he fucking talks about, you know, and I, I enjoy some Joe. I think there's a level of honesties with some of the guests that people don't like to admit. Right. I think, you know, I think, and, you, and I always get a kick out of people who are on their Facebook pages and saying, ah, oh, Joe Rogan's stupid fucking man is far from fucking stupid. Yeah. Right. Um, you just don't agree with what he has to say. And I think that's a defense me- mechanism for a lot of us. If we don't understand, or we don't agree. You're stupid. you know, yeah. I, you know, I, I listen, I used to, I don't listen as much because he just constantly fucking banging that COVID bang, yeah. bang, bang. And I'm just like, dude, I want to hear fucking rad guests who have nothing. Get Cam Haynes back on here. Yeah. I thought, you know, the fucking Jewel interview was probably one of his best interviews in a long time.
0: Snoop uh, Dogg. I mean, Snoop
1: Do- you know what? Him and Joe, you know what? I The Snoop Dogg bothered me about the Snoop Dogg episode. They might as well have jerked each other off. <laughs> You know, like it was just yeah. like, oh, John got Snoop. Oh, I got Joe. And it was like somebody the lotion. Yeah. It's like, yeah, I didn't I didn't listen to the full thing. Um, yeah. you know, but and when the all the doctors came on, I was like, now nah, I'm not gonna subscribe to this. I want the funny. Like, and I was listening to one on Carrot Top. I've always been intrigued by Carrot Top because of kind of a mutant. And <laughs> halfway through they get right into the COVID talking, I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? This is supposed to be our escape, and
2: I can yeah. see why.
1: You know, I don't. I genuinely don't think he's spreading this information. I don't. I think he's giving alternative viewpoints, and he's getting bringing up resources that are valid resources. But he's beating this fucking horse to death.
0: Yeah, I mean, he took that CNN thing to, you know, very personal, which rightfully I so. I rightfully too. so. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, it's it. I mean, he lost me for a bit. I mean, I'm I'm one of the biggest Joe Rogan fans. I have a a, 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 yeah. Yeah, a lamp made by my buddy Scott Nichols out of like metal and shit. Um, a Joe Rogan lamp. Uh, yeah, and he just lost me, and I just cause I, again. I mean, we I interview a lot of bands. I interview people whose lives have been, I mean, all of our lives have been affected by COVID. But like your livelihood, the way you put food on the table for your family, the way you put you know uh, your kids through college and all that kind of shit was affected by covid so i feel like every conversation i have is it's like you bring it up for a second because you have to because you want to know how they you know have navigated the past year and a half two years uh and I, i'm generally c- concerned about people because i was worried about you i know we we texted a few times and you were just you know kind of you, you you know you told me like you know i you just felt you know the way you just expressed earlier but um I talked to a lot of musicians and like, you know, obviously getting on stage and, and performing and, and all that kind of stuff is part of who they are and what they do. Um, so it, it, it but yeah, so it, it's constantly COVID 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 COVID. And I, yeah, I, I, I had Joe Rogan as my escape. Yep. I
1: you know, I escape anymore because it's all he talked about. Yeah. And, you know, and it was funny. It was like the whole vaccine thing. You know, I, I was a big advocate of, Personal choice. And I still to this day, I'm a big advocate of personal choice. I got vaccinated right down to because of the lead by example thing. Yeah. Right. My family said, you know, we're asking people to gather. We're asking people to come back and get, you know, get together, you know, support each other, support businesses, support our business, support our friends' businesses, support live music, support, you know, and what was our clearest path? We've got to use all the tools in our toolboxes. You know, I didn't subscribe to the, um, came to microchip bullshit i didn't subscribe to and i used common sense it is not in our country's best interest to kill its population
0: right i think it was a bill burr who said you know they don't want to like so if we were all sheep and you know coming to to you know getting vaccinated and following the rules would they want to kill all the people that listened and followed the rules Mm. probably not right yeah (laughs) Yeah,
1: it's like you know so you know we we it wasn't even a, it wasn't even a hard decision to make, you know, and I let my kids, everybody make your own decisions. And I, and I would never, ever, um, you know, can I got a lot of friends that are shitting all over people who don't want to get vaccinated. And it's just like, listen, man, it's none of your fucking business.
0: It's so crazy. And, you know, Joe talks about it all the time too. Like just this tribal mentality. And like, if you're not with me, then fuck you. Like, when did we get to that point? When, when did that happen? I you know,
1: it, I, the ability to, it,
0: these fucking things these yeah things. it's politics and the internet and it's like you know hiding behind a computer screen like i could say the worst mean shit to you right now because i know that you can't physically hurt me but i would never say them to your face A, I don't mean them but b because you'd punch me and knock me the fuck out
1: <laughs> you know and it's, it, it's a, i think personal responsibility and accountability with the internet went out the window,
0: out the window, gone. Like
1: I can hang out in California and you'll never get to me, you know, and I can say the dumbest shit that I don't even believe, but you know, because I'm getting a stir out of you because I'm getting your blood boiling because uh, you know, and people get off on that. I think we've taken some of the, I think these, these things, these fucking things (laughs) have taken a lot of the humanity out of humans.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Right. I, I always say like, we're, We're so connected, but so disconnected at the same time. It just, it sucks.
1: Access access to information. We've got access to information. Whether the information is right or wrong, we've got more access to information than humans have ever had. Ever.
0: It's weird, too, because I often say, like, I wish I was born in the era that my parents grew up in. Uh, My parents were born in the 50s, so... They like you know had a great time in the sixties, seventies, and things like that. So, and then just recently, and you're not much older than me, but I I was listening to a podcast of uh, some kids that were like are like twenty six years old said the same thing. I feel like we're born in the wrong era, and I'm like, is the world that we're living in right now so bad that we all just wish we could go back and live in the sixties and seventies and, and grow up there? Like, what are we doing? I think it was
1: it was There they were errors of and you gotta you know look at the source like guys like us that say hey you know if we we would have thrived in the 50s and 60s it was it was an error of kind of taking care of you and your own um chivalry was still a thing you know i fucking opened the door for a woman last week two weeks ago uh i'm v- very big you know ladies order first blah, blah, blah. like i'm I, it's kind of ingrained in my body yep. uh, And i try to you know I try to, you know, with my girls, I'm like, you know, see how I treat your mom. See yeah, how, that's what you want to look for. Lead so, by example. Yeah, and I opened the door for a girl, and uh, here you go. I don't need you to hold the no door. Don't. I was like, I'm an
0: independent woman.
1: Yeah, I was like, no, I mean, no, it's just it's easy. Just yeah, I don't need you. But I was like, holy fuck! And I just looked at this lady. I was like, miss. I was like, you're gonna have a rough way to go. There's a duck loose in my office.
0: I'm just trying to be nice.
1: Yeah, you're gonna like, I'm just trying to be a nice guy.
0: I would have done it for a guy too. Like I mean, like we're all people here, you know.
1: Yeah, yeah. I just, I think the human connection is now bound by Wi-Fi and wires, and it's not as, it's not as real as it should be. Um, yeah. You know, and I think, and I, that's why, you know, I mean, I love what I do because it's it's bringing people together. You know, I'm not going to tell you to eat a bag of dicks to your face because we're hanging here. I'll eat a bag of dicks with you. Great, let's just share a bag of dicks, right? <laughs> um, you know, it's just. I think it's the personal, personal connection is gone. It's, you know, and, and respecting people's boundaries and life choices. And, you know, because it's good for you doesn't mean it's good for me. And, you know, and understanding that. And I think we lack understanding. I think we lack fucking empathy, like nobody's business, because again, we're fed so much information that we know better. We know, I know more than you do because I saw it on CNN. I know better because
0: that's the problem too. We're being fed these lies from, uh, you know, what we've been, told are credible media sources for all of the, all these years. And they're not, mm-hmm. they're trying to get clicks and all the money. And I, I, don't want to sound like a fucking nut job, but I mean, we are, that's, 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 that's real. I mean, right.
1: no, it's, it's anytime I see something that's, you know, an article that's followed by an advertisement or uh, a news that's followed by an advertisement, my brain auto- automatically goes to, well, you want to keep me involved and engaged. So you're going to tell me what I want to hear to keep me here. And, you know, regurgitating your same shit um, yeah, I mean, it's, I mean, we're, I think we're being fed poison. I think we're being fed narratives, um, that aren't always in our best interest. I think, you know, I think it comes from the top down. I think, you know, uh, we're stuck with poor leadership, uh, poor leadership gives, gives these news organizations that are bookends opportunities to use us as product. And, you know, it just, it's hard to decipher and share the truth when, do we even
0: know what the truth is yeah you know, I, got, I got an argument this is probably f- almost t- probably 10 years ago just saying like how it, you know it's not fair to us as human beings when you know you hear let's just call it Fox News and you hear CNN and and you see you, these are s- sources that you have believed to be telling the truth for all these years and I'm like why can't we get the truth the person's like, well, you should just, uh, you know, listen to what they're telling you and and you know, uh, just kind of figure it out on your own. It's like, well, don't they have an obligation to report news, factual news, the way things happen, and never skew to, you know, in their own direction or you know, this person's direction? That that I mean, that's not that's not fair to the human race, and they have an obligation. They have, you know, they, they get paid to do that.
1: I think nothing brought that to the surface like this did you know the, this whole you know the last two years did terrible
2: look at how many news
1: organizations had death counters on their fucking like during fucking even quality programming is like here's the death count here's the blah 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 and like they fed off it and fed off yeah. it fed off it and
0: and people know, so are home scared like almost like like you know wrapped up in a blanket like oh my god the, the world everyone's dying we can't leave the house
1: yep and You know how you feel is wrong, and if you don't feel the way we feel, you're wrong, and you're the enemy. And it it's been a constant from all the news organizations, right, left. It is constantly looking for villains. We're not propping up heroes. We're not propping up. We're looking and outing villains for the silliest shit on the planet for being human. And it just it's gone. It's it's just gone off the fucking rails.
0: And it's week by week too. It's like you know they're raising the torches this week against Joe Rogan. Next week it's going to be whoever name, you know, name it. Like it's just it's it's crazy.
1: Yes, yes. As long as it's not you or I, okay. Yeah, and I, I mean don't and I don't. I honestly don't think it would be you or I because I think, I think we're honest in kind of how we can handle ourselves.
0: Yeah, I mean, you know, we're people. We and we we, you know, we don't. It, it just. It's common sense. Like, just don't be an asshole. Like, that's like, don't be an asshole. Don't lie. Don't cheat. Don't do those things. And things will be okay. But people get paid money to lie. We should rally
1: against, you know, there's the war on drugs. There's the war on, you know, terrorism. We should start the war on assholes.
0: Yeah. Well, the war on drugs is a fucking scam. Yeah. 100%. 100%. 100%. (laughs) It's a fucking lie, too. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. Well, before we get too far, and uh, I mean, we could go down this
1: rabbit hole. We'll yeah, four and, o'clock in the morning. Yeah,
0: and, and no one wants to listen to me no talk anymore. More of
1: this shit, fucking these fucking
0: guys. But real quick, before you leave, you you started a podcast, which I and I know why. I, well, I have a feeling of why you know it, it it ceases to exist because you kind of started it when you know Jason, one of your your booking partners with Near Dark Entertainment, um. He was not busy because no one was booking entertainment. You obviously were, uh, you know, going through you know no events. Uh, Kobe uh, with the, the cars, I, I don't know. He, I think he was just along for the ride because he was still doing all right. But you started a podcast called uh, Big Boy, Big Boy Voices. We're not. Which, we're
1: coming back. We're so we've already started. A, okay, great. We took a sabbatical. Kobe had a thing going on. Um, Jason and I got busy again um and we it was like getting these businesses back up and running was a 48 yeah. you know 48 hour a day kind of thing
0: let well, pay the bills <laughs>
1: yeah, pay the bills um the podcasts were fun we really enjoyed it, was, it It was a good camaraderie so good um so yeah we've got a couple things i've got some guests lined up um come mid february we're going to jump back into it um and danica lane she calls she's like i want to be back on the podcast <laughs> um
2: is great know, so, content
1: yeah, it's good you know we, we, we my fear and why, and this is a real thing. One reason that we stopped doing it is because I didn't want to continue to talk about COVID. I didn't want to continue to talk. I didn't. And I knew it was going to go that way. Mm-hmm. Um, and there were days where I was probably angrier than um, I should have been. Uh, and I think that would have translated to, you know, this isn't enjoyable if he's fucking ranting. Cause it, if you notice there were a couple episodes as we kind of got, I started to go there and I saw yeah. that I didn't want it to be that. I wanted it to be, kind of fun and jovial. I mean, we had some great guests and I've got some great guests lined up Um, and we want to do some on location stuff. And, you know, um, you know, um, so we're talking about it. We're talking about mid-February, kind of bringing it back to life um, or season two, as we'll call it. Sure. Because uh, I think we got like 14 or 15 really good episodes. Um, You know, not, you know, we're not at the 700, you know, Popco fucking episodes, but. I'm
0: only at 69. This is, this will be is, 70. I I'm, a I'm a nobody. I'm a nobody.
1: That view is great, um, but yeah, I think we're we're I mean, we'll definitely get back into it, you know, because there are things to say. I do love to hear myself talk clearly.
0: You've you've said that, yeah. But I almost I almost texted you the other uh, day and said, hey, uh, want to sell your equipment? <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's actually what I'm pip- kind of piping through here because I put it on my computer. But yeah, yeah we want to get the guys back in the office, um, in the space, and uh, kind of start talking about things. And it's cool because. The dynamic is very, very different. You know, Jason and I are close. Kobe and I are close. Um, Jason's from one side of the planet. Kobe's on the other <laughs> side. You know, and, and Kobe says some offensive shit. Yeah. It's funny, but, you know, sometimes, you know, you got to, you know, bring it up. Jason's very, you know, I tend to be kind of the way the pendulum sling, swings. I tend to be the middleman. Yeah. Because you know, I can see it because, you know, Kobe's older than I am. Jason's younger than I am. And I'm kind of right there in the middle. So it's a, it's, it's a fun dynamic that, yeah, now we're definitely, it's coming back. Uh, we just kind of getting everything up and running. All of our lives kind of went in a different direction for a minute. Yep. Um, Kobe had some things going on. You know, Jason was you know, getting back to work. I was getting back to work. So it took a bit of a pause. But, yeah, now we've been talking about it for the last two or three weeks, kind cool. of uh, lining up guests, content. We're going to do a We're Back Bitches episode. And, uh, yeah, season two, I guess we call it.
0: Call it that. That works. No.
1: Yeah, buddy.
0: Well, hey, I'm looking forward to Big Boy voices coming back, available on all the streaming services. I'm excited for 2022 events from Good Time Tricycle, big Fest. Okay, and
1: you and that beautiful wife and that tiny little Lincoln of yours. You all. I play? know.
0: I gotta, I gotta get rid of him for the, the June the June fourth and fifth date dates. Yeah.
1: Bring him down for seafood fest. Bring him down for midget wrestling. If I'm if I'm a wrestler short,
0: I'll throw his little ass in the ring. <laughs> good. He's tall, man. He's tall. But uh, thank you for doing this. I really appreciate your Amanda. time. What's that
1: he gets that from Amanda?
0: Oh, dude, I know. I you know I always say that. Um, you know he he looks like her. He's tall. He's taller than the average kid. Gets that all from her. I, I, I said, you know what? What's going to happen is if we have a second child, it'll be a girl, and she'll look like me, and that's not good. That's not good. Or maybe, <laughs> maybe, maybe that's good for me. Maybe that's it's good for me down the road. Uh, I'll explain to her. Like, listen, I'm sorry. You're hideous. This is more for me than it is for you. Yeah. I yep. don't want to have to kill somebody.
1: I got, I got three pretty girls, and all I worry about is all the fucking penises. And Yeah. You know, I'm a guy who likes fucking guns and isn't afraid of violence. So.
0: Yeah, I mean that's that's why I always say it's it's, it's a joke, and you, know, you say I'd rather worry about one dick than than all several. Things. You know. Yep. yep. So we'll we'll see what happens there. But dude, thank you so much for doing this. Uh, You know, we, we've been friends for, for so long now and we've never had a chance to sit down and talk at length like this. And I, I, I've always like, I follow you on social media. I, 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 you, you are not ever trying to hide who you are and what you do. And that's why I know a lot about you, but, um, this is great to do. And, uh, hopefully the next time we hang out, it's, it's more than a, a hello and a goodbye and we can hang out and, uh, just talk about normal, normal human shit. We don't have to talk about you know what I do or what you do. We'll just talk about life and and how good we really do have it. Because all things considered, we're doing all right.
1: We're doing all right. Life doesn't suck.
0: Life doesn't suck. I mean, a few curveballs in the past couple of years, but
1: hey, if you're at bat and you can't swing at a curveball and you can't hit a curveball, you just try it at your next at bat. Right?
0: Got to learn. You got to learn how to hit that curveball.
1: Truth. So.
0: Give uh, us your websites and uh, real quick, just so if if someone wants to get tickets to your your events.
1: Booth, so many of them! Uh, this will be just longer than the fucking two hours we've been. Your joined. websites good. Um, Isn't there one, yeah, one, one, good, one, time, one good time? Tricycle.com, dot com, beerfest dot com, john's got a beautiful um, all the dot coms, all the dot coms,
0: coms. Just type in John Henderson. You'll fight. You'll figure it out. You, you can Google me, and
1: I'm actually um, 500 different people of all makes and models, races and sizes. Click on any one of them and send an email and say, hey.
0: Well, good time tricycle. And why is that? Because no one has had a bad time on a tricycle.
1: You read that someplace.
0: I did. <laughs> I, I, I may have known you for a long time.
1: Yeah, you know, i'm gonna say that once because i always I, cause I love it because it's accurate and yeah, i'm absolutely. gonna say it to that one person and be like that's bullshit i got fucking 10 pins in my knee because michael <laughs> Chip backed over me in his winnebago when i was driving my tricycle down the driveway and i'm slowly going to just walk away from that guy
0: on a cool. tricycle <laughs> <laughs> i think the odds of that not happening are, are yeah, pretty I, good so i think just is. keep just keep keep telling the story buddy sure. dude thanks again so much i really appreciate it uh, and uh, hopefully i'll see you sooner than later
1: Alright, player. All right, man. Family my uh, love. Hey, thanks for having me.
0: I'm gonna, hit, I'm gonna hit stop. Just stay, stick around though. All right. All right. We'll see you.